Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. God's already been speaking this morning, and I don't want us to lose what he's already been talking about, because I think... uh, I think that is important. It's important for us as a church and it's important for individuals as well. So we're going to come back to those themes at the end of this morning. But first, I want to take a quick look at the final of our key values. The values which we hold and which define the type of church we want to be and influence how we go about doing things. It's taken us uh, just about 20 weeks to get there. And um, if I'm honest, I should be preaching on this next week. But unfortunately I've been quite badly let down by someone. Um, Someone else who should have been speaking this week. I would tell you who it was, but... My wife has told me that naming her would be (laughs) breaching the very value that I'm speaking about. And so I can't tell you that it's her. Is that okay? Now, we've been married for something just over 28 years. And over that period, you know, I've collected loads of funny stories. Some I get away with telling... But when I start on others, funnily enough, the ones that don't show more Wenner in her usual high standard, I get that look. Do you know the one I mean, guys? The one that says, if you continue, you're in trouble. If I continue... That look turns into a glare, and then a nudge or a kick, and then I get the warning. It goes like this. If you ever hear it, you will now recognise it. She will say, Owen, are you honouring me? Now, to be fair, if I've got that far, I'm already in such trouble, I've got nothing to lose by carrying on. (laughs) But seriously, when I married Moenna, I made a promise to her that I would honour her. And I made that promise before God. So I ought to take it seriously. She's added a bit in here, just so you know. Because I asked her to read this through so that she knew what I was going to say. And she's added, I should also say she has been a constant support and continually spurs me on and I love her dearly. (laughs) You know, if we're honest, no one minds a bit of humour. But none of us likes to be ridiculed or dishonoured in front of other people however well we know them. 
And it's not all just about our sensitivities. It goes much deeper than that. It goes right back to the day of creation. In the opening chapter of Genesis, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Betty had to deal with one of those this morning that had got into the uh, cup box. uh, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. And God blessed them. At our core, we are created in the image of God. So when people say things that knock us, but knock who we are and what we do, we find it especially difficult because it hits against the things that God made us to be. You know, life would be so much easier if we could spend it avoiding other people. But unfortunately that isn't possible. Because being created in the image of God means that we are created to live in community. The Trinity exists in eternal community between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we have a need to be in community ourselves because we are made in that image. And right from those earliest verses of the Bible, we see Adam and Eve in the garden living in community and in fellowship with God. And having created Adam, God even said for the first time that something wasn't good. He said it wasn't good for man to be on his own. We need community. And so it's not surprising that as we see communities broken down in the world around us, that people struggle. They struggle so much with loneliness. Because it's a feeling we were never intended to feel. You sometimes hear it said, that a particular person sees good in everyone they meet. You know, it's often said as a comment about their naivety. But we need to be a people who see God in everyone we meet. Because however objectionable they might choose to be to us, deep inside them is the very image of God. And even more so for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's why we want to be a church that encourage one another, build one another up, honour each other, speak the truth to one another in love, and disciple each other. In Matthew 28, we receive our commission from Jesus. This is what he says. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. 
having been given his full authority by his Father, Jesus' command to us is to go and make disciples. You know, it's not enough to see people saved or added to the church. Although we do want to see that. But that is only one part of the process. Discipleship is a process that starts when we commit our lives to God and then continues throughout the rest of our life. And this is a calling for all of us. It isn't just for some special breed of super-Christian and it's certainly not just for church leaders. Because look at what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And what have we just been commanded? To go and make disciples. The truth is simple. Disciples are meant to make disciples. You could argue you aren't a true disciple until you're teaching someone else how to be a disciple. In fact, you could simplify this whole value to we want to be a church that makes disciples. To help us, Jesus is very clear on what he expects us to do. He says, baptise them and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. The letters in the New Testament give further guidance on how we're meant to be with one another. In Romans 12 it says, love one another. It goes on to say, outdo one another in showing honour. Live in harmony with one another. And as you move on through Romans into chapter 15, it says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And instruct one another. When we look in Corinthians, we're told to comfort one another, agree with one another, and live in peace with one another. Galatians tells us to serve one another. The letter to the Ephesians tells us to bear with one another in love, to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another. We're also told in Ephesians to submit to one another. The letter to the Colossian church says that we should be teaching and admonishing one another. The letter to the Thessalonians tells us to encourage one another and build one another up. And to do good to one another. If you look at what it tells us not to be like with one another, you'll find an equally long list. The list, in fact, goes on and on. But we want to be a church that builds one another up, that encourages one another and disciples one another. You know, we all need words of encouragement now and then. Especially when we're going through hard times or facing challenges. And during those times, it's quite easy to become discouraged 
and start to feel remote from other people. And it's amazing how just a few words of encouragement can cut through our feelings and help lift our spirits. But this goes much further than that. If we look at the example of Paul, he encourages Timothy even when we don't think Timothy seems to be struggling. This is what he writes to him at the beginning of the second letter to Timothy. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I might be filled with joy. I'm reminded by your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. <coughs> Firstly, he encourages him by telling him that he's in his thoughts and prayers. He comments on his faithfulness, and then he carries on and encourages him not to be content with where he is. But he spurs him to push on into everything that God has in store for him. This is what he writes. For this reason I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is how we need to be with one another. Spurring one another on to embrace all of God's gifts to us. That should be part of our normal life together. We should be encouraging those in whom we see fledgling gifts. Encouraging them to move out of their comfort zones and exercise that gifting more. In the same way, building each other up should be part of our lifestyle. Reminding each other of the truth. Now I'm not talking about anything artificial here, and I'm certainly not talking about flattery. But when we see the opportunity, we should be thanking people for their contributions, recognising their efforts and encouraging them to do more. The church should be a positive environment in stark contrast to what we see in the rest of the world. And the same should be true when we talk about other people. Rather than being dishonouring about them in the things we say, we should be honouring of one another. Now, at this point, it's probably good just to observe that in this day and age, honour is not a word we often use. We hear it a couple of times a year on the news when it refers to people being honoured or receiving an honour. So it's worth just considering for a moment what it means. It means, quite simply, to hold someone in great respect or esteem. That's how we should be. That's how we should be with each other. Speaking about each other with respect and esteem rather than disrespect.
And then there's that subject I spoke on some years back. We're told to speak the truth to one another. Now often when you talk to people about the verse in Ephesians 4 where it says speak the truth to one another in love they take it a particular way and we talked about this last time but they assume it means that you have a bitter pill for them to swallow so you're going to coat it in sugar it's not what it means at all when you look at the context the passage that it's in The context is actually quite different. In love, we are to speak God's truth over one another, reminding each other of the promises and the blessings that he has spoken over us. Imagine what it's like if you're feeling worthless, inadequate, helpless or hopeless for someone to quietly remind you That we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. That we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That we can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And that we have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. Because that's the truth. When we feel abandoned, alone or vulnerable, to be reminded that we are free forever from any condemnation. That we can't be separated from the love of God. That we've been established, we've been anointed and we have been sealed by God. That we can be confident that the good work God has begun in us will be perfected. When we feel rejected, when we feel unloved or unwanted, to be told that we are God's children, that we are chosen and adopted by him, that we have been justified That we have been bought with a price and we now belong to God. We are members of Christ's body. To be reminded that we are no longer sinners held in bondage to sin. But we are saints, free, who sometimes sin. That we have been redeemed and forgiven for all of our sins. That we have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit (coughs) that we are complete in Christ you know the Bible says it is the truth that sets us free I don't know about you, I don't know whether you've considered what type of church you want to be part of. But would you want to be part of one that is full of discouragement, destruction and dishonour? Where when we need to hear the truth, it's nowhere to be found. 
church full of little cliques and suspicion. A church dominated by people who want a position for themselves rather than letting their calling, their character and their gifting denote the role God has appointed them to. A church where a few people do all the jobs because self-sacrifice is not evident. A church where people attend on Sundays but don't want to become part of the community. A church which is distant from its roots and loses out on the encouragement that that brings. You know, if that's what you're looking for, I want to make a humble suggestion to you. Could you go somewhere else? Because that is not the sort of church I want to be part of, much less lead. You know, I want to be part of a church that encourage one another, build one another up, honour each other, speak the truth to one another in love, and disciple each other, teaching each other to do everything <coughs> that Christ has commanded. And it's my sincere hope that that's the kind of church you want to be part of as well, and that you will stay and help us build. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.